I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. Metro Manila mayors agreeing to shorten curfew hours and expand the age coverage allowed outside their homes. Metro Manila Council Chair and Paranaque Mayor Edwin Olivares says the curfew will now be only from 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. except in Navotas after its mayor Toby Tianco insisted on keeping it at 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. The council also agreed to adjust the quarantine age restriction to 18 years old to 65 years old, not 15 to 65, as previously announced by Malacanang. Quarantine passes will also no longer be required in the national capital region, except in cities which require it. Dahil minor po yung 18 and below, eh, eh hindi iniiwasan po natin yung mga bata na pagalagala sa lansangan at uh, yung kung ating mga kabataan ay eh, mas vulnerable po sila kaysa doon sa ating mga mature na 18 years old. Hindi na po kailangan po ng home quarantine pass. Hindi na po kailangan mm -hmm. yan kasi kailangan na po natin magbukas na ekonomiya. Depende na lang po yan sa bawat local government unit. Oh, okay. Pero uh, yung po, kung meron pa po sila existing ordinance, hindi pa na-lift, pwede sila. Pero under GCQ guidelines, hindi na po kailangan ng home quarantine pass. Olivares assures the public measures are in place to avoid a possible second wave of COVID-19 infections in Metro Manila. Sa pababa na po yung ating pong, uh, cases in Metro Manila, pero hindi tayo pwede mag-relax. Kaya nga po, pinag-iigtingin po natin yung ating pong minimum protocol, yung pagsusot ng face mask, yung ating face shield, yung distancing, pati po yung ating critical care para po sa ating mga pasyente ay ine-expand po yan ng ating pong mga hospital all over Metro Manila. The Philippines' Joint Task Force COVID Shield orders all police commanders to coordinate with local government units to determine whether they will ease travel restrictions or not. The order comes after the Interagency Task Force for COVID-19 eased quarantine protocols between areas under general community quarantine and modified general community quarantine. Police Lieutenant General Guillermo Eleazar says LGUs that choose not to observe the East Movement restrictions may still require a travel authority from those coming outside their jurisdiction. He also disclosed some local chief executives are requesting the national government to give them time to adjust to the IATF's new pronouncement. Major train lines here in the Philippines have increased their passenger capacity beginning today. The MRT Line 3, LRT Lines 1 and 2, as well as the Philippine National Railways will run trains at 30% capacity. That's up from the previous 13 to 18%. This translates to around 300 passengers per train set. The Transportation Department says the passenger capacity will also be expanded to up to 50%. The move is in line with the country's bid to gradually reopen the economy. But the DOTR assures the public various health measures will strictly be enforced still. Labor Secretary Silvestre Bello III urged government to increase public vehicles capacity to 70 percent as transportation remains a problem for workers. Bello says the 30 percent capacity of train lines in Metro Manila, that's not enough. Employers have also repeatedly appealed to government to restore public transport to full capacity. 
naman binubuksan ng ating mga negosyante yung kanilang negosyo, kagaya limbawa mga restaurant, mga hotels, ang problema yung ating mga workers hindi makapasok dahil limitado pa rin ang transportation service. Yun ang dapat isabay. Some Filipinos have begun visiting their departed loved ones ahead of the mandatory closure of cemeteries next week. Cemeteries across the Philippines will be closed from October 29th to November 4th to avoid overcrowding during All Souls Day. Natin na yung influx ng tao utay-utay, hindi magkakaroon ng uh, mass gathering na magiging uh, detrimental dun sa ating uh, pandemic. Bawal lang magdala ng alak, hindi naman dyan celebration eh. Bawal lang mga playing cards na pagsusugal, bawal lang bladed weapon, bawal lang mga barrel. The Philippine House of Representatives commits to transmitting the spending bill to the Senate next week to allay fears of a possible delay in the passage of the 2021 budget. But House Speaker Lord Alan Velasco says a committee has been formed to make further amendments to the proposed 4.5 trillion peso national budget, which the lower chamber passed on Friday. Some lawmakers, however, argue there should no longer be any amendments in the spending bill after its passage. But Velasco assures the public the changes will not pave the way for corruption. Uh, let me assure you first that there is no pork in the budget. And second, uh, the uh, small committee would only do uh, uh, institutional uh, amendments, mainly uh, departments and agencies asking for uh, more budget. I always believe in fair and equitable distribution, meaning not, not really uh, equal for every district, but depends on the needs. If the district needs more budget, then definitely they should be given more budget. Among the changes the committee is looking into, increasing the passage for the purchase of COVID-19 vaccines. Well, a government official stands by her remarks on social media on the way authorities handled jailed activist Reina Nasino during the burial of her three-month-old baby last week. Nasino was surrounded by police during the burial while she was handcuffed. During the weekend, MMDA spokesperson Celine Pialago took to social media to voice her opinion, describing the situation as a drama series. Pialago maintains there was nothing wrong with her statement despite the backlash online. I think po uh, yung uh, mga nagagalit or yung mga bashers sa social media, yung mga na-offend, ang tingin mo nila dun sa drama ay yung paghihinagpis ng ina na yun ang tinutukoy ko. But actually, sir, no, what I'm pointing out during that time ay yung mga tao po na nananamantala dun sa sitwasyon. Ang gusto ho nating i-point out dun sa aking post, kinakapitalize po, ano, kinakapitalize po ng ibang grupo Pinasamantala po yung sitwasyon para ho ma-highlight yung anumang gusto nila. Why don't we just uh, capitalize yung paghinagpis po ng isang ina instead of putting malice doon sa bawat post. Yung mga tao po kasi na nakikita ho natin sa social media na parang hindi ho nila kasi alam yung sinasabi nila. I'm just challenging them also to, mm -hmm. to check the background of the person. That's it, no? Okay. Bago ho i-blame sa government uh -huh. kung bakit tight yung security during that time. So, I, I'm speaking as a reservist. Hindi naman po spokesperson <laughs> of MMD. So, Nasino was arrested in Manila last year and was charged with illegal possession of firearms and explosives.
U.S. President Donald Trump and his Democratic challenger Joe Biden courting voters in the competitive states of Nevada and North Carolina. Trump is spending his Sunday in Nevada, where early in-person voting began on Saturday. Trump hopes to wrest Nevada away from Democrats after narrowly losing it in 2016. He plans to campaign every day leading up to the final presidential debate later this week in Florida. This election is a choice between a Trump super recovery, which we're in right now, or a Biden depression. You will have a depression. First of all, your taxes are going to be quadrupled. You will have a depression, the likes of which we have not seen since 1929. Under the Biden lockdown, the lights of Reno and Las Vegas were extinguished. Carson City will become a ghost town. If he comes in, Carson City will become a ghost town. And the Christmas season will be canceled. Trump lags in opinion polls in many battleground states and at a national level. But Biden's campaign manager says national figures are misleading because must-win states are close. A record-shattering 27.7 million Americans have already cast their ballots, either by mail or in person, ahead of the November 3 election, according to the University of Florida's U.S. Elections Project. Well, for more on the race to the White House, we're joined by our North America Bureau Chief, T.J. Manotok. T.J., well, we know that leading up to this, uh, President Trump had COVID, recovered from it miraculously. Um, what's, the, what's the deal on his recover, recovery? Is he using it to gain some traction, and is it gaining any traction? Well, um, those are two different uh, you know, things to answer, really. He is definitely using it, but is he using it the right way? Some analysts are seeing it that he's using it as a lost opportunity because he's obviously not saying he learned this lesson. He's not encouraging more mask wearing or social distancing. Instead, he's emboldening his people to not be afraid and mainly two things because he keeps uh, bragging that the vaccine is coming very soon. In fact, he was really hoping that it would come at least before Election Day, but it's looking like it's going to come after that. And then he also says that the therapeutics and the cures, quote unquote, are here because he says, I was cured. And he's really using that beyond, you know, what is written in scientific data because the therapeutics that he has been using, if ever they could come out, will have to be used as a given emergency approval and, and not really going through the normal process of being approved by the U.S. FDA. So it's, it's, it's in stark contrast, really, with um, how some of the people in his own uh, close circle who had it, case in point, former New Jersey Governor, uh, you know, Chris, Chris Christie, Christie, who had COVID uh, as well. He was in the ICU for a whole week, and when he got out, he admitted that he was wrong. He admitted that he was wrong for being reckless and, uh, you know, not not uh, wearing masks and social distancing in the White House. He was wrong that he was uh, complacent with what the White House said was the testing they were doing that could protect everybody inside the White House. And, and um, you know, this is a direction that some critics were hoping that Trump could go with, mm -hmm. but obviously not. And whether or not it's gaining traction, it clearly has not been because with the latest poll showing there's no, been no uptick really. And it's really just emboldening his base, but um, it's hurting other people that he hopes to get, the seniors, because they're the ones at risk when you tell them to not be afraid. And by the way, vaccines are coming, therapeutics are coming. But with the way he has been uh, very cavalier about his own uh, experience with it, without scientific data to back it up, it's really putting a fear in the, the hearts and minds of the seniors who are moderates and independents 
that he needs to swing to his side. Forget the, the Republican diehards. They are there no matter what. So that's a problem with him now. And it, it was very clear in the, the town hall he had in, in uh, Florida um, late last week, which replaced the second debate because he obviously didn't want to do that because he didn't want to do it virtually. He was asked specifically, how will he turn around the U.S. economy? How will he, uh, you know, continue the fight against the pandemic? He was not specific. It was all rah-rah that the numbers are going great. We're turning the corner, but 69,000 new cases on Friday for the whole country, the highest since late July. That is not turning the corner right now for me. Well, that's what's happening in the Trump campaign. Over to the Biden side, there was a smear campaign versus the Biden family painting them as criminal. How are people taking to that? Well, uh, it, it's interesting to see what's been playing out since then, because when the, when the New York Post came out with a story alleging that uh, Hunter Biden, uh, his laptop was found in, in, in Delaware, the hard drive was pulled out, and then they said it, it, it is apparently with the FBI, um, but they have yet to give a, uh, an official statement. Supposedly, there are emails there that are unproven yet that claims that Hunter Biden tried to introduce his dad to uh, Ukrainian authorities. And... Um, with that yet being unproven, Facebook and Twitter tried to limit the spread of that particular post. Mm. And that has caused a firestorm of controversy within big tech. In fact, there was a rally here uh, in San Francisco with some conservatives trying to march to uh, Twitter headquarters uh, on Saturday, but that they were overcome and overwhelmed by uh, the opposing side who knew that the rally was coming. So it's making a lot of discussion uh, as, as well, Carmina, but it, it's, it's something we're not sure yet if it's really gonna stick. Uh, first of all, it has to be proven true. Um, the Trump campaign needs charges to be filed for them to really ride this wave. If this is something that's going to be proven true, but so far, you know, the other things they're trying to throw to the Bidens, uh, in particular, Eric Trump posted a photo of uh, a mansion that uh, supposedly Joe Biden bought, but uh, it was disproved already that he bought this way, way back in the 90s and he even sold it already. And Eric Trump was trying to imply that how could a senator earning $174,000 a year, you know, buy this mansion? But it has been disproven, but yet he has yet to delete that tweet. So they're trying to uh, keep at it with these conspiracy theories and some of these who are proven that are proven to be lies. Mm. We'll see. It works for their base. But the question again, does it work to convince the moderates and the independents, the few that are left that are undecided? Well, close to 28 million votes cast already, TJ. What are people saying about this? It's unprecedented. Absolutely. It's, it's a mind-boggling number when you think about it. I mean... Leading up to election day, we knew that there would be a lot of votes that would be coming in early. There would be a lot of votes would coming in by mail. And obviously, it's a mixture of people who, one, want to avoid the lines on election day. They're afraid of the pandemic. They don't want to be lining up in public with, with thousands of people in line, uh, you know, out in the open. And number two, there's a lot of them who are voting early on both sides, the Republicans mm. and the Democrats because they want to mail in their votes early or want to avoid the mail-in votes because they're worried that that could cause some delay. Remember, there was a lot of controversy about a month ago about uh, the, the head of the U.S. Postal Service, which is a Trump appointee. There was controversy. He was trying to stifle the system, supposedly trying to delay the system in terms of getting the, uh, the mail-in ballots in. But uh, with those concerns coming out in the open early, it leads to this. Millions upon millions who have voted early already, and we're not yet obviously seeing as well, how many votes have been mailed in that are already coming into the system. So unprecedented numbers, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing and fascinating to see right now. And we'll see on election day that, you know, Americans are so used to this, Carmina. You were here for quite some time. Right? Mm. And they're used to seeing the winner proclaimed that night. Uh -huh. It's not going to happen. We don't know how long it's going to take. 
So it's interesting to see that with these millions of votes already coming in early, the ballots being mailed in, how long really will take before they see a clear winner, before you know, at least the reputable networks will make those calls and declare a winner, uh, uh, for at least for president. Well, 16 days to go, TJ, before voting ends. A final debate, that's about to happen. What is expected of the two? What is the current mood over there in the U.S.? Well, this is a big debate for, for Donald Trump. He needs to score big wins in this debate. It's set for October 22 in Tennessee. Um, they already, in fact, just the other day announced <clears throat> the moderator. It's going to be NBC's Kristen Welker, who already President Trump hit her on Twitter saying that she's been terrible and unfair, just like most of the fake news supporters. The topics have been announced. Uh, obviously, fighting COVID-19 is there. American families, race in America, uh, climate change, national security and leadership. So those are the six topics that, that are, you know, pretty much going to structure this debate. It's going to be the same format as debate number one, wherein the moderator will have, uh, you know, both uh, candidates speak about those issues for 15 minutes. It's interesting because initially we were supposed to see the third debate wherein both candidates could ask each other questions. Mm -hmm. Obviously that was taken out right now and changed by the committee presidential debates, but it is what it is. And um, Donald Trump will have to do his best to you know, gain some ground here. As for how the country feels, the, the, the voting public feels, it's a little tense, obviously, on both sides. The Democrats, Kramina, they have learned their lesson from their complacency in 2016. They have been reminded nonstop by Democratic leaders to not be relaxing at this point, to not be uh, rejoicing that uh, it's clear that uh, Biden is in the lead. They don't want to see another November surprise or a November miracle coming from the Trump side. Now, for Republicans, they know time is not on their side. But also, you know, aside from potentially losing the White House, there's a real concern of losing the majority in the Senate. And mm. that is a big, big concern as well for them, because if the Democrats flip at least three to four seats in the Senate, they can kiss their majority there goodbye. There's no chance for the Republicans to get the majority in the House. So you can see a potential that, for example, even if Donald Trump could win mm. a second term, he could be what they call a lame duck president without support in both houses, in the lower house and in the Senate, and he really wouldn't be able to do very much if he does have that second term. So it's fascinating to see there are about eight Republican seats uh, in the Senate that are leading Democratic right now or are toss up, and it's going to be very interesting to see how those will go down the wire because some reports are saying that some of the senators are trying to distance themselves now from Donald Trump, from his rhetoric, from his post-COVID-19 experience and, and how he's handling it because they want to make sure that they win the race and they're, they're focusing on that right now. So a lot of things in play right now and a lot of tense moments as we go on down home stretch. And they've got only 16 days to do all of those uh, to win the race to the White House. Our North America Bureau Chief TJ Manotok there joining us from San Francisco. Thanks, TJ, for staying up late for us. Thanks again. Keep safe. No problem. Thank you. Right, moving on, New Zealand reports its first case of coronavirus local transmission in three weeks. A man who worked at the, the ports of Taranaki in Auckland began showing symptoms Friday before testing positive Saturday evening. The patient has been isolated, so the risk of further transmission has been contained. New Zealand's health minister says the emergence of a new community case is unsettling and that the public needs to remain vigilant. The new case emerged after Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was re-elected in a landslide victory, a success seen as many as a reward for her leadership amid the pandemic.
And that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmina Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, Dateline Philippines podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Play back the interviews too on ANC's YouTube channel. Keep safe, everyone, as you keep it here on ANC.